It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly, and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Welcome to the Chills. Well, it's been another interesting seven days, but really, there's so much I've got to talk about. I'm so excited this this week because, of course, we're playing Real Madrid. We played them last week. We played the mighty Fulham. We're playing Real Madrid again. Then we're playing Manchester City. Meanwhile, the women are just doing incredible things and could be on for a quadruple. They beat Bayern Munich yesterday. I was in floods of tears at the end. It was such an emotional day. Emma Hayes gave the best press conference I've ever seen on BBC. All of this to talk about. Only one person to share it with. It's Mr Andy Saunders. I watched the women's game yesterday, and it was very emotional at the end, wasn't it? I have to say, I was watching it with my daughter, and um, yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant game, and the emotion shown by Emma Hayes and the players, I mean, you couldn't help but be affected by that, it was great. 
<laughs> Maybe we'll talk about it a, a bit more in detail later, if, especially if you've seen it. It's quite interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a little chat. But what about that press conference after which he swore like a trooper? It was great. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so brilliant. And I'm really surprised that people haven't picked up on this because it was so emotional. And she just basically couldn't stop herself swearing with the excitement of it. Well, everybody was in tears. The Bayern Munich players were in tears. The Chelsea players were in tears. Emma was in tears. I mean, it was like, it was great. And I think, you know, just, you know, when we're used to such professionalism and, you know, sort of mercenary behaviour in in elite men's football, where you do wonder whether they really care that much, to see two teams who obviously care so passionately about about what they do i just think it's so refreshing yeah me me too it it, it had everything as well it, it this had so much class and skill and grit and determination flair great headers great shots it, it was a furious game of beautiful, beautiful football. Um, mm. And really, it, it, I just hope people go and have a look at least at the highlights because... You should definitely a, watch the highlights because it was oh. unbelievably nerve-wracking at the end. Yeah. I mean, there was a, a goal-mouth scramble in extra time that was just, you know, ridiculous. Oh, it, it <laughs> It was that was just. I mean, I have to say, I was going, oh, no, <laughs> I, I was I was shouting at the TV because uh, Berger she made a great save and then Ericsson got it off the line as well and it was just bouncing around. It was one of those moments where we've experienced them enough in our lives, but here it was it, it, because at that time, just a goal from Bayern Munich would have knocked us out even though we were winning. So it was ah, yeah. oh, it, it the jeopardy. The jeopardy. Jeopardy was, was amazing. And people should never underestimate the journey that, that Chelsea women have been on in the last five or six years because, you know, that teams like Bayern Munich have been elite forces in women's football for a long time. And to, to have comprehensive, well, I would say comprehensively beaten, to have beaten them um, and to be in the, the, the final now against Barcelona um, is, is an incredible achievement. And if they win it, I think that's right up there with, with um, Chelsea achievements of, of um, well, you know, since I can remember. I think it would be something that the whole fan base should celebrate. Yeah, and, and interestingly, actually, Bayern are kind of up there, but they've never won the Champions League. Neither of Barcelona, neither of PSG. There will I be thought new... Bayern had won it a few times. No, no they haven't. No, that there will Or have be... they just been in the final a few times? Yeah, yeah they, there will be a fresh name on the cup. Who normally wins it then? Who, who's the kind of dominant teams? Lyon and Wolfsburg have been two of uh, the most dominant forces. I see. Um, so, yeah. More it's, about this than I do. I don't Yeah, I don't, no, I, it, yeah. it's exciting. There's a changing of the guard. Although, you know, this isn't an overnight success for Chelsea. You know, Emma no. Hayes has been there for nine years now. Well, we, when um, did we have her on the podcast? That was five, must have been five years ago, mustn't it? Uh, it was more than that, I think. I think it was 2015. Because, because things were, were they weren't, they weren't amateur, but they were just transitioning into proper professional football at that point. It wasn't that long ago, was it, that they were having to sort of beg, borrow and steal, you know, training facilities and pitches and kit and stuff like that. So, you know, it's 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 been a really fast process, I think, to get to this level that they're at at the moment. And clearly we've invested as a club and, and we've bought some amazing players and, you know, it's a very professional setup now. But five or six years ago it wasn't, was it? No, it, it, it was on its way, but it, women's football was on the way. Uh, yes, of course, 
the Americans knew about it. A lot of Europeans knew about it. But we've been slow coming to the party in so many ways. Haven't really mm. understood the capabilities and the ability of teams to create followings and to create teams that are just wonderful to watch. Yes, okay. Well, I think I think I think I think that that's definitely part of it. But also, I think what we've been slow to realise is the commercial possibilities of women's football as a as a brand and as a, as something that commercial sponsors will be interested in. And of course, the massive participation of girls in in football, you know, uh, women in football. And I think it's you know it's something we have as a country been slow to recognise. The Americans are, 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 are a long way ahead of us in that point. But you know, there's a lot of money in it. And so from that point of view. I think it is something that the big clubs, the Chelsea, the Barcelonas, the Man Cities are looking at as a potential commercial revenue stream for the future. Yeah, and but that is all born out of the fact that it is a fantastic game and the players have got better and better, the teams have got better and better. It's a great watch. So, yeah, I mean, I, let, let's have a mention about the actual game later in our in our review of the week. Um, but, yeah, it, it was fantastic. So yes, it's it's been it's been a, a fascinating seven days since we were last here. And you've been busy, haven't you? You've been up to your knees in water um, for for uh, the last couple of days. I have. Tell us a little bit about your new podcast. <clears throat> well, that's going to be out later in the year. Um, Jackie, my wife, and I we're making a series about the River Welland, um, and we're travelling from source to to mouth. Um, so it goes from Northamptonshire out and goes out into the Wash, and we're, we're terming it the River Welland, sixty-five miles of stories. Uh, and we should, and we're gonna... uh, we should say as well that Jackie's not just your wife tagging along; she's a very experienced and well-respected TV producer, isn't she? So she, yeah, she, she actually knows what she's doing, unlike you. Yeah, and now she's damaging her career by working with me. <laughs> <laughs> So um, it sounds amazing, and you were you were watching trout being introduced into rivers and and all sorts. Absolutely, we were out with the Gouache uh, Fishing Club and uh, went to these most idyllic spots. That you know, we've been up here four years, five years now, and like all Where's these here? things, uh, up in Rutland, Stroke, Leicestershire, right? Um, so right in the middle of the country, and all these sort of things, going to see people who do things within the countryside, you always discover places you didn't know. And we found these stretches of river that was so... You could not think of a more idyllic English pastoral countryside scene. The river, the trees, the banks, the, the yeah. swans. Well, as you know, know I'm, a, I'm a fly fisherman and, and have been for, for many years. And, and, you know, that that is one of the reasons for doing it. I mean, the catching of the fish is, 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 is the ultimate aim. But the getting out into those bits of the countryside that you ordinarily would not have access to or think of going is is a huge part of why I do it. I mean, England is a beautiful country and we forget how gorgeous our countryside is and sometimes you've got to make an effort to you know to really go out and find it you know so I, you know I'm glad you're having that experience because it's a great thing yeah no it, it's beautiful and, and and we're picking up lots of interesting uh other areas as well we're working 
to promote the work of the Welland Rivers Trust, which is all about the health of the river and its tributaries. And, and of course, this is a story that goes across the country, the, the health of our waterways. Um, mm. When you look at it, the, the, the figures and the environmental information is quite depressing. Yeah. Um, well, that, we touched on it, didn't we, last yeah. week in, in the podcast? You know, so I'm, I'm very interested to, to hear your, how, how your investigations go, and good luck with it. And we can hear it when again, sorry? Uh, towards the, uh, I guess, autumn, I, I would think. I think we're going to record through the, the spring and summer, um, especially now the world starts waking up and yeah. meet, meeting people has just been fascinating. I forgot what people were like. They're all right. <laughs> yeah, you like people unlike me, don't you? So, yeah, I do yeah, like so people. I, I, like, I like the right people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I good. Don't like the well, that's good. People. That's a good little intro and some, some uh, you know, some interesting stuff that you've been up to. Let's talk football, shall we? Okay. What I wanted to do first of all um, is talk to you about something that affects us all uh, mm. and the demonstrations at Man U yesterday. Mm. Again, not dissimilar to what happened at Chelsea, what's happened at Arsenal. This is people sticking up against the owners. Um, what I think has been fascinating, and I'd love to get your take on this, is how normally in a situation like this, if fans had managed to get the postponement of a game, mm. the home side would be docked points. Mm. Um, but there are many sort of weirdnesses going on with this. I think that on the whole, the FA have to back this. So do, so do UEFA. Um, because this is a fight still for football, because there is still talk, you know, you've got Perez going on about the ESL is not dead, there's binding contracts, there's this, there's that. Huge fines would have to be paid if they actually leave. This hasn't quite gone away, and it has brought up these questions of the owners. Um, Now, the one thing I would say, with all protests... They have to be non-violent. And inside all these protests, there have been little incidents or major incidents we don't necessarily know. But there have been violent incidents, which hopefully have been caused by people who are not actually part of the cause. And it's interesting to see that the media hasn't focused on that so much as the bigger picture. How do you think the, the press are having to act on this? Because so many of these people are aligned against the SL because of course they've got their own plans for TV rights and streaming and all these players will be out of the picture well yeah there's I mean to unpack a lot of what you said there um I think that uh I think it's really good that fans are passionate enough that they want to use their voice that they want to go out there and demonstrate and I think whenever you feel passionately about something and you feel slightly powerless about something a good way of getting yourself heard is to go out and demonstrate so I'm a big I'm a big supporter of of the right to demonstrate and I think that the Chelsea fans in the Fulham Road was a great example of we're just not gonna sit and take this anymore that was done in the street outside the stadium. It was done in a in, a, in an orderly fashion. Um, it, it it made its point, and you know nothing bad happened. I think when you start invading stadiums and you start putting people's safety at risk, and you start slashing police officers and throwing bottles and acting in a violent and disorderly way, I think you somehow sometimes dilute the point that you're trying to make. 
and I think that the Manchester United supporters have got a good point to make about the Glaziers. I think they've been a, an absolute stain on football and the way they've conducted themselves um, and the way they have leveraged the finances of Manchester United for their own ends has been disgraceful to watch, whatever your tribal loyalties are. Um, and they're not the only ones um, in, in football. Um, so, so the Manchester United fans voicing their dissatisfaction in the same way that both the Arsenal fans, the Tottenham fans... Our, our fans and everybody else doing it for me are, you know, is a good thing, but there is a line that you don't cross, and that line is is uh, is violence. And I think it was a, a sad thing to see. And you know, ultimately, when you're having football matches postponed because the safety of players can't be guaranteed, I think you have to take a step back and go, "We applaud you for for giving voice to your frustrations." But we condemn you for your violence. You have to. You have to say that. Yeah, I, that that was kind of what I was trying to say. Is that the violence side of it is wrong, and part of me feels that it may be people who are not properly affiliated or aligned with the cause. Well, we you don't can't know. say that. Can no, you? we I mean, can't. That, you can't. I mean, that's you're making an assumption there. The, 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 you know, and, and and that's you know that's a perfectly valid assumption to make. But the fact of the matter is. You know, a lot of people claiming to be Manchester United fans invaded that stadium and, and seriously injured a police officer and, and, and other people were, you know, were hurt in the process. And, you know, I don't think we should be doing the, well, they weren't involved in it thing because we don't know. We don't know that. All we know is that a load of people went into a stadium and got a football match postponed. And I think that football fans have a pretty, pretty um, you know, sort of unhealthy reputation amongst amongst the you know sort of wider population anyway as being you know sort of violent and and uh, unpredictable and this doesn't do them any favors behaving like this um and that kind of mob mentality it's something i don't like instinctively i don't like that mob mentality i don't think it's the best way of getting getting your case across and getting your voice across there's plenty of ways to demonstrate without doing that yeah i'd agree with every word you're saying um that that is the. You're right as well. We can't decide one way because or the other. Because that's an, that's an, that's an age-old thing, isn't it? You know, when when when. Um, I mean, I don't want to get political here because this is not what this podcast is all about. But when the, you know, when the uh, events at the White House, uh, sorry, at the Capitol building happened back in January, of course the response from you know from from some people was, oh well, they were just anti-fa um, protesters. They were actors. You know, that that wasn't people. You know, that was just people trying to make us look bad and that's a, that's an easy excuse to make for for bad behavior so i'm always slightly wary of it that's my point no, yeah and no, i'll take that on board even if it's true you can't prove it you're, you can't you're prove absolutely it. right you're yeah. absolutely right so so all i'm yeah. saying is by all means go out and demonstrate by all means go out there and use your voice i absolutely applaud that but 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 do it in a way that doesn't detract from your overall message well the violence destroys all the positivity that goes yeah. into it that's what makes peaceful protest and somebody said well what if you're getting attacked and i said well the true activist will say it's better to be photographed having been beaten than to resort to violence back so you know it's a there is a way to be an activist there is a way to protest but there's also the, the also the answer to that is leave just leave yeah you know yeah. leave you know don't 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 stand there and, and get involved in it leave 
you know, yeah. and say this is not for me. There were plenty of fans there, you know, that were interviewed on the news that said they, they hadn't gone inside the stadium. They'd gone there to protest outside the stadium and were actually surprised when they heard that people were in the stadium and they had no intention of going in uh, and no intention of doing it. So you can't tar all those fans with the same brush. So No, exactly. That's the problem as well. It became divided into different areas and you had yeah. different people in them. And no. lastly, I, I think it'd be interesting to find out, but by the sounds of it, I heard somebody say that a door had been opened for them at oh, the I'm other sure end it of has. the stadium. I mean, bearing in so, mind those stewards are volunteers, you know, yeah. those, those, or, or they're, you know, they they tend to be fans who, you know, who, who, who work for the club. You know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that somebody just left the gate open deliberately, you know, it's uh, at all. I mean, I, I, in fact, I'm, I'm sure that's probably the case. Yeah. So where does this leave the situation, Andy? Can a posit- Can this be positive uh, as in a uniting another uniting moment for football against the game that we love uh, at the moment at the moment it's it's a spasm of rage you know it's rage and people are you know and and I talk about our fans and myself to a degree we are outraged at what's happening to our game via whether it's the ESL whether it's ownership whether it's it just the commercialization of the game to the point where it you know it takes away all the kind of the joy of it so i think this spasm of rage is 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 not very well thought out and not very well coordinated it's just a you know a howl of outrage and you know and, and i think that's a good thing it's making people realize how passionately we feel about it if it's going to have any long term effect it needs to get organized it needs to have some level of organization behind it so so that's my view on it i think you know this you know sort of spontane spontaneity of of, of uh, protest is good, but it's 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 not something that can can um, you know can can last. I think it has to you know you have to go back to your fan organisations, to the Chelsea supporters trust, to you know to the people that do co coordinate the voice of the fans and let them do the work you know that that needs to be done to to make the fans' voice heard within the club. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that, and and also lastly, I guess they they can't really award the match to Liverpool because the season is so finely balanced. Can you imagine if Liverpool pipped us to fourth place and we hadn't won the Champions League, which, of course, we will anyway, um, if they pipped us to fourth place by one point thanks to being awarded the three points? You can imagine the legal recriminations, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I can't see that happening. No, um, I can't see wh- that happening. I think I think there's an element of force majeure here, and that you know it was a, events beyond the control of of, bo- of 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 both parties. You could argue that Manchester United could have controlled the situation, but you know th- there's there's probably an argument to say that that was beyond their control at that point. So you yeah, know, one, one, ro- one rogue actor leaving a gate open, you could hardly blame United for that. I don't think so. No. No, it's true. and uh, But th- then there are other people who will say this has been known about this protest for the last three or four days. So maybe they... Because w- when you saw the amount of police that were trying to shepherd everyone out, they didn't look quite the right number to me But because it, it looked as though they were hurriedly brought in. Yeah, but well, nobody bank holiday weekend, it. loads of police yeah. having leave. You know, that's probably what it was. It was just bad planning, I think, by the yeah. Manchester, Manchester police. But yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, All right, I mean, well, yeah. there we go. That's that covered. More intrigue in the world of football. Um, so, yes, we should go back to last week. And, gosh, Real Madrid. Mm. We just want to play them in the Champions League, not in a European Super League. And we did play them. Um, 
How did you feel about that one? Uh, knowing how big an occasion this was, as we said, Battle of the Boardrooms, loved to have been the fly on the wall. When you saw the team, what did you think? Well, first and of I- all, first of all, before we get to the team, I was, um, you know, it was slightly baffled by playing at Real Madrid's training ground. I had no, I had no idea, or the, whatever that is, their B team uh, ground. The um, Di Stefano Stadium. I think yeah, it's the called. Di Stefano Stadium. And I, I had no idea we were playing there. So it looked a little bit non-league. It didn't, it didn't look like two titans of European football clashing in the latter stage of the Champions League. It looked like a sort of, you know, um, you know, Southern Premier South, you know, sort of mid-table battle, didn't it? Just because of the, <laughs> yeah. the environment. So that, that, that sort of put a bit of a dampener on it for me. I mean, even if the Bernabeu was empty, it's still a, still an impressive stadium. But, you know, that was a little, you know, a little sort of Cobham-esque, you know, sort of pitch, really, wasn't it? So, so that was the one thing that kind of struck me. Team-wise, I mean, uh, we had Mendy in goal, Mendy back in goal. Uh, back three of Christensen, Silva and Rudiger looked look really strong on paper. Um, Kante and Jorginho back in the middle, uh, which was good. They've been a great pairing, I think, in recent games. Uh, it looked like it, you know more of a three-five-two, didn't it, than a you know a three-four-three. So um, as Piliqueta and Chilwell as a um, as as wing backs, Mount sort of operating more in a midfield role, uh, and Pulisic and Werner up front. That's what it looked like to me, to be honest. Um, but it, again, you know, like all Tuchel teams, it was fluid at points. Um, but I think you know, looking at that team, I get. I guess for me, the only slight raised eyebrow was Werner um, playing as a. You know, in a sort of striking role, but but you know it, it, you know that's what it was, and it, you know certainly I felt it was it was good enough to compete. Yeah, and and this was the first time under Tuchel it played the same side twice, wasn't it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was the same side that was at. Well, that was a surprise, weekend. wasn't it? Because obviously yeah. there wasn't that long after the the previous game. You thought he would have you know rested and rotated a few players. He has been such a such a rotating manager today. That is a surprise. Yeah, and uh, but the, he seems to make his mind up, set them out. They seem to be well drilled. And when we started, you thought, okay, this could be a very interesting game for us. I mean, let's get this totally right. The first 30, 35 minutes, we played some fantastic football. Um, Kerry, we, we should have been three up. Yeah, that's I mean, if we had fin- if we had a finish to our game, this game would have been out of sight. Um, and I think when you look at how good our defence is, look how good our transition is, look how good our ability to get the ball up to the front players is, one thing that's lacking is a finish. And I think once we get in that team, we're going to be a serious football side. But, you know, really, we should have been three, four goals up. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That that was going to be the point. Is yeah. all this wonderful football, but we didn't make it count. And that's the one yeah. thing you know is that when you play the top sides, you have to take your chances. And we'll, we'll get on to our goal and things in a minute because what happens is Real Madrid, who, let's face it, weren't very good and we made them look pretty ordinary. One moment from, of magic from Benzema keeps them in the tie, keeps yeah. them in, in, in everything. You know, that, that is all it takes. These players may wander around. And he'd, he'd shown warning signs that he actually was on form. And I have to say, I've never rated Benzema and I'm not going to change my opinion now. His goal How could you not rate him, Kerry? I just don't like him. Well, you don't, we don't like him or you don't rate him. Both. Because he's, you know... Because oh, look, it's, it's his totally career unwarranted. speaks for itself. Yeah, I know, but I know better. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, I mean, he is. He, he's, he's good, but he's a, he's a weird player. I don't think he gets 
sometimes the kind of service he deserves. I think actually at Chelsea, he would have been a great player. I think he would have mm. worked well at Chelsea. Um, well, he's he that kind of scores. solid, muscular player that you know that you know Drogba or Costa or one of those players that you know that will be a real presence up front and uh and unoccupied defenders you know that they're, they're the kind of strikers that have always worked really well for Chelsea so I think you're right on that point and that muscle that he showed to control to pivot on the ball and smash it into the net I mean that was that was a you know that was a goal of high class you can't argue with that you could talk a little bit about the defending in the lead up to it but you know he still had a lot to do and and he did it really well so you know we've got to you know keep an eye on him he's a he's a serious footballer well, he's also one of those players who a lot of the game, he looks disinterested and bored. And he's then not when demonstrative, you know, at no, all. He's you not. Know, so you can, you can sort of, you're absolutely right. You can get lulled into a full sense of security with him and think that he's on the fringes of the game. But, you know, when, when he comes to life inside the box, I mean, he's proved that over many years at Real Madrid. And, you know, he's got a trophy cabinet at home full of, full of silverware to prove it. Yeah, it's true. But you're, you're right. It, it should have just almost already at that point when he scored been a consolation goal. The first goal, Christian Pulisic. This, this is the man that we've been waiting to come back from the injuries. This is the man who you think, oh, I could watch you quite happily for the next however many years at Chelsea. It, it, was, a, it was a beautiful goal, wasn't it? Yeah, really, really good. I mean, what was great about it was the the composure um, to think through the situation. You had Courtois on rushing, took it round Courtois, still had people on the line. I got a lucky deflection off the shoulder of one of the defenders, but it was uh, a brilliant goal. And 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 that's the Pulisic that we that we we know is there. We know he's there. That Pulisic, you know, that can take players on. That is tricky. That just does that extra bit of magic. Does that 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 little bit that other players can't do that that can give you an advantage so yeah fabulous goal and you know brilliant piece of composure yeah and he looks fit this this is it It, this was the game for me where you suddenly went yeah I I think I think he's back to full fitness he Mm -hmm. I think he's been cleverly man managed by Tuchel I think he's going to be such an important player for us in these last few weeks of the season, without a doubt. A so couple of stats on Christian Pulisic. I don't know if you saw those. First American player to score in a Champions League semi-final. Only one of four Americans overall to score in the knockout stages of the competition. And the youngest Chelsea player to score in a semi-final match in Champions League history at 22 years and 221 days. Oh, so how old is uh, Mason Mount? Because if he gets one this week, then maybe he's younger. Oh, must yeah. check that out. There's a dull stat to find out, but an exciting one if it happens. That <laughs> uh, means we've got another goal. Um, yeah, and uh, look, I've, I'll just mention Thibaut Courtois on that goal because he is a very good goalkeeper. I don't like him particularly. I don't really care, to be fair. But Pulisic going around him. I mean, if you look at it again, how much space... Did Thibaut Courtois take up on the ground and he still managed to get round him? It was quite incredible. He yeah. really kept his nerve. You've got to get around um, that nose, haven't you, for a start? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And everything else, you know. But, but OK, look. Just on the, on the Mason Mount thing, he's 20, he was 22 in January, so he would be younger. Come on, Mason. Take the record <laughs> from our own player. I love it. Then we've got the first and second. It'd be great. Yeah. There you go. You know, um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it, it was one of those games. Um, I don't know about you, but 
that miss, that's all I can term it as. Um, I just hope that that isn't too costly for us because... Well, I think- look, I had a conversation with my son about this. I, you know, I, I said at the time it was a great save. It was a great save. It was a great save. I mean, could he have done better? You know, on first, on first looking at it, I think, I think, I, I thought it was just a great save, and he was a little bit close to Courtois. And Courtois was huge and spread himself, and um, you know. But on further watching, he should have done better. But I don't think it takes away from the fact that it was a great save. Yeah, I, you see, I, I, I don't know. I thought he put it in completely the wrong place. I, look, it's it's so subjective. I thought it was it was a good save, but a bad shot. Um, that's how I view it. You know, I think yeah. I think you're I think you're in the minority. I mean, people would accuse me of having you know Werner coloured blinkers on, and to a degree, I'm so desperate for him to do well that that's true to a de- to a degree. You know, I will I will forgive him on you know on the hope that you know that it is going to work because I can see a great player in there. You know, it was a bad miss, but I think you also have to give credit to it being a very good save. You know, because if it had been Tammy Abraham or it had been you know, one of these other players that, you know, perhaps hadn't had such a history of disastrous misses, would we have been so hard on him? Uh, yes. You <laughs> think? It's a Champions League semi-final. Yeah, yeah look, I know, look, I'm not down on Timo. I, I agree with you. I think he's showing, he's got the will, he's got the application, he needs a little bit of the luck and just to take the shadow away from his mind. I will you know. say this about Timo as well. He is affecting games. Yeah, totally. He is affecting games. I mean, somebody said to me, I mean, another a fan of another club said to me this morning, would you reckon on Timo Werner? He seems to, you know, to, to be useless in front of goal. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can deny the fact that he's had some horrific misses. And, you know, his finishing just looks looks all over the place at the moment. But, you know, is he affecting games? Is he making assists? Is he creating space? Is he getting himself into good positions? Is he making an impact on the game? I mean, the, the answer to that has got to be a resounding yes. When yeah. he's on the pitch, he affects the game. You know, whether he's creating goals for other players or whether he's making space for other players or whether he's, you know, you know, putting in the work rate that, that you know, that, that is that is part of the overall defensive unit. I, I think he is affecting games and I think he's worth having on the pitch. He just doesn't have a finish at the moment. Um, and, and, you know, I'd be the first to admit that. But, you know, to write him off and say that his job is to score goals solely, I mean, to a degree it is. But, you know, if you're having that, what you don't want is a kind of Torres type figure or a Sutton type figure or a Fleck type figure, which is they're on the pitch and they do nothing. They do nothing to affect the game. They don't score. They don't assist. They don't get involved in the overall play. Werner does all of that. He does all of that. So I think you've got to give him a little bit of leeway. Uh, I'd agree with every word you say. I think what will be interesting is to see what Chelsea and Tuchel do in the summer. Yeah. Who they buy? Yeah, we'll, we'll understand. Can you see? A, can you see? A, you know, a role for for Werner in a front three, but not at the point of the of the attack. I can. Yeah, I can. But it depends. A, who we buy, and yeah. how fit everyone else is. Um, he, he's There's only one player that you want to... Well, there's potentially two players that you want to buy. I mean, everybody wants to buy Haaland. You know, everybody wants to buy him. You know, we... I can see us competing financially with it, but, you know, ultimately, does he want to come to us? You know, that that's the question. Um, so... Um, Turn that phone off. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, sorry, I wonder where that came from. That's turn that off. That's on my messages on my laptop. That's not normally yeah. on. Um, so, so everybody wants to buy Holland. Um, uh, you know, so he would be the obvious choice. I guess people want to buy Lukaku as well. 
but be, who who beyond that is available? Harry Kane. I mean, you, he's not going to come to Chelsea. So yeah. you know that that's the three kind of top strikers at the moment that potentially could be available. Um, I mean, who else is there? No, I I, I agree. You know, it, it, it's that's what I'm thinking. Whether Chelsea think outside the box and do something else, will they think? Well, maybe, maybe because Mason Mount is the player we thought we would get with Kai Havertz. So Kai Havertz, I don't think, is going to move Mason Mount out. Maybe that's why they've been experimenting with Mason Mount further back. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Maybe they'll go, you know what? We have to make Havertz work in the centre. Maybe we keep Werner there. But we need to see some positive action through the summer and the start of next season. Look, I'll go with whatever they decide. I don't think Tuchel is a mug. This isn't his side yet. He will, I would have thought, do things in the summer. It's kind of exciting. It's kind of scary. We, we, you know, we do not know. If we have our tickets back and we go in for the first game next season, I won't be able to know what kind of side he'll pick because it will be his first start of a season with his side, I think. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's right. And And, you know, obviously... We seem to be fairly solvent as a club. We seem to have the, the the muscle to go into the transfer market. You know, it'll be interesting to see what what happens and what Tuchel wants and how much of a say he has in that with Marina. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a fascinating summer. And obviously, yeah, we've I, got this kind of Euro thing in the middle of it all. You know, sort of getting in the way. Um, you know, you, you know my views on international football, but you know that this is going to make the whole transfer market going to be tricky because. You know, players aren't going to be thinking about what they want to do until after the internationals, are they? So, so you know, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. As I say, it's going to be exciting, and um, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that Tuchel's kind of proven himself to be the man to steer this ship moving forward. Certainly, we know that managers are never given a, a sort of long term plan, but certainly for the foreseeable future. So, hopefully, he'll be back in the transfer market. Yeah, the the other thing we should talk about the Real Madrid game was we saw. An ex-player of ours come on and do nothing. Um, Eden Hazard. (laughs) (laughs) He's an ex-player who sadly did something. Um, Uh, Eden, yeah. Well, I was never overly concerned about Eden, to be honest. He's had a nightmare in in, uh, in white over there. So, uh, mainly because of injuries, to be fair. But he doesn't look half the player he was for us. Um, obviously, he's coming back from a from a pretty traumatic time. So, the thought that he would come in and suddenly be twinkle-toed against us, I thought was always a little bit far-fetched, but you never knew. Um, and I guess it was it was good to see him being fairly anonymous. Yeah, it's interesting when you hear what he said after the game. Um, I read an interview with him where he's saying he was looking forward to coming back to Stamford Bridge, that it might help him play better because it was his home. Um, so I really hope that's not the case. Um, mm. I don't want him to feel at home. <laughs> he's not fit enough, Kerry. He's not. No, he's I, just not fit enough and, 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 and in shape enough to do what he used to do at the level and the pace that he used to do it. Um, not at the know, moment. 
he showed no, not on the moment. I mean, nobody's writing the guy off. I mean, he's one of the greatest players that ever played for us, and he's clearly a you know a generational talent. But you know, with that amount of injury issues that he's had and the fitness issues that he's had, you can't expect him to come back and suddenly be you know the Eden Hazard of five years ago when he was ripping up the Premier League. It's not. It's not going to happen at the level. You know, can he show a flash of it? Can he do something magic? Maybe. I'm not writing him off by any stretch of the imagination. But he's not. He's not the kind of bogeyman that he would have been a couple of years ago at all yeah it's going to be fascinating to see whether they start him or whether they use him as a sub they started him don't at the think weekend he's got the fitness don't think he has he played 75 minutes i think at the weekend yeah. um so they're, they're i think they're trying to get it so they have the option um yeah yeah we'll see they they just know that players well, if coming they played back, him for 75 minutes at the weekend it's unlikely they'll start him on tuesday is it so well, that's that's what I think. Or who knows? The, the, everything is set up so nicely, um, scarily nicely, because we should have two or three in the bag. But there you go. All, all right. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. So yes, we're okay. Here's the thing: before the game, if somebody had said you get a one-one draw, you go, oh yeah, thank you very much. I think that's what I predicted on the uh, on on the podcast last week. Well, there you go. Um, do you, having seen the game, because it's interesting, because it started out a much more open game than it finished. As the game went on, the second half started how we thought the first half would start. Um, but were you slightly disappointed that we only got a draw? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you saw the chances that we had, and the, you talked about the first 30 minutes, of course, if we'd have taken those chances, we would have been out of sight. I mean, clearly he changed it up a little bit. I mean, they went 3-5 against us which is not normally what they do they normally play four at the back try to match up he changed it a little bit in the second half he compressed it he compressed the lines a little bit you know he let Casemiro play a little bit deeper and Modric play a little bit deeper um, you know so so he did tweak it a little bit and 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 made it more difficult for us I don't think he's going to make the same mistake if you can call it that on Wednesday and play that open against us I think he'll go back to four at the back um, so we'll have to think that through uh, but yeah of course you're disappointed um, it was a you know, disappointing goal to concede, and we should have had a couple more on the board. But having said that, if you'd have offered me one one before the game, I would have bitten your arm off for it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. But we did show that I think we can compete at this level without a doubt. Kante was superb. Mason Mount was superb again. I loved it when he stood up to Marcello, who was trying to bully him and bash mm. him around a bit. And he wasn't having it, and he didn't take it from Casemiro either, no. who, let's face it, is a decent player. But Kante... He's just a licensed thug, isn't he, really? Yeah, in, in Mich- I mean, a decent player, don't get me wrong, but, you know, he's, he's in there for his thuggish qualities, you know. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't hold back. No, he's he's a kind of player we'd love at Chelsea. You'd yeah, he's perfect for us. He's he yeah, would be perfect he for us. You know, he would he would just run around and kick people all day long. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and then do a wonder pass to somebody. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, good player, I rate him. Yeah, absolutely. But I I do think we kept their midfield quiet. Um, you know, Cruz was playing in the weirdest position. It it was almost between a wing back and a full back at times. Yeah, it was, a he was very he was strange. Very, uh, you know, he was very underused in that game. 
Yeah, I, I don't know whether they've decided that they put him out that way to try and create diagonal balls for for uh, the centre, um, but it, it just didn't work. So hopefully they'll come up with another plan that well, doesn't work. Know, on... They're an ageing side. You know, they need they need refreshing. Look at you know Benzema, Cruz, Marcello. Uh, you know, look at Modric. I mean, these are not these none of them are spring chickens. You know, they look a little bit jaded. They look a little bit like they're in need of a major overhaul and a free, refresh. To team you've got Ramos maybe coming back on Wednesday as well you know he's going to be a big factor just in terms of leadership corners they look really dangerous at corners um so you know it's not it's not going to be it's not going to be an easy game I'm, I you know I certainly don't think this game is finished by any stretch of the imagination no, I think absolutely. we've done incredibly well to get here I think we've we've put in good performances against you know really decent teams against Atletico um you know against uh against Real Madrid I mean nobody can complain you know the work we've put into the Champions League this year. It would be amazing to get into the final and play Man City or PSG. Probably Man City by the looks of it. You know in Istanbul. But you know let's just enjoy the ride as it goes through. See what happens. Yeah, I, I reckon it'll be a PSG Chelsea final. Do you? you think yeah, gonna, I do. Think going to overhaul I, them? Yeah, I do. They didn't perform I, at all in the week though against City. Well, they did to start with, but they were profligate. They didn't take their chances, and it no. just shows. City then woke up and just the second half. I mean, it, they absolutely beasted them. Well, they, it, was de, it was De Bruyne, wasn't it? It was a De Bruyne fantastic. masterclass. They, yeah. they, and Gundogan was, was superb as well. They, they just suddenly... And, and then you saw what happens to those high and mighty players. You know, mm. the, Neymar, I still think he's one of the most overrated players. Yeah, he's got all the skill in he's the world. He's not overrated, Kerry. He is. He he's is. He's got overrated. all the skill in the world, except when it counts. When the chips are down, he disappears. Oh, mate, I think that's a, that's a very reductive view of, that, of Neymar. No, I, I'd say, you know, him and Benzema, <laughs> they're <God>. all crap. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want Neymar. You wouldn't want Neymar. You wouldn't, would you? So Benzema scored his 71st goal in the Champions League, making him the joint fourth top scorer in the competition. But he's a bit crap, is he? Okay. He is. Total crap. I'm, I'm um, not... You know, Mbappe and Neymar, I, I, I think that they are, you know, again, I keep using this expression, generational players. I mean, I know what you mean about Neymar and his, you know, his, his flightiness and his... You know, like all of these, you know, incredible flair players, if the chips are down, they can go missing. But, you know, that's a, he's an astonishing player, Kerry. And, you know, when he is, you know, when he's in form, he can change change a game in a split second, you know. and I've and it's never very, seen him change a game. Well, you probably haven't watched him enough then, because I have. And and it's like he, he um, you know, he is he's one of those players that can do things that other people can't. And that's a, that's a very uh, dangerous weapon to have in your arm, armory when you're when you're when you're playing a team like Man City so I would just say um I wouldn't write Neymar off <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna write him off LA he was <laughs> crap as well and Maradona just uh, no 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 now you're just talking nonsense I taught him everything he knows down the local in Chelsea yeah we did I mean Messi it's all time. flicks and tricks isn't it yeah, you know, when did you see him rise for a towering header at the far yeah. post? What would be messy Never. would be like on a wet Wednesday night in Stoke? Come on, yeah. Ryan Shawcross Rubbish. kicking him off the pitch. Yeah, uh, Murata was better than him. Um, well, we did see him score a hat-trick at Stoke, but we, we digress. Uh, the other thing is, I have a feeling Ramos, it's, it's very interesting, he didn't get a run out of the weekend, and you would think if he was going to play uh, against or, Chelsea... Or they're, gonna, or they're saving him. 
Yeah, it's interesting though. Normally, if somebody's going to have a run out, you give them uh, ten minutes, don't you? Mm. To come in cold from not having played for as long as he's been out, it's risky. So yeah, we'll see. But he Look, is, he's an aging player, but he's an old warhorse with a huge amount of experience. I mean, he's Thiago Silva, you know, in 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 our team. You know that he's in there to lead. To you know, to lead by example, to show experience, you know, and to be a threat at corners, essentially, um, yeah. you know. So he's a he's a he's a he's a big player for them, and you know, I mean, you look at you know Ramos in isolation and go, well, he's probably cooked. You know, he's well over thirty, and he's you know he's he's coming to the latter stages of his career. But but like Thiago Silva on those big European nights, experience counts for a lot. So you know, I hope he doesn't play. Yeah, me too. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, look, we should take a break there because we've been a little bit late coming to it. But when we come back, we'll have a chat about the Fulham game and the games coming up, and also that semi against Bayern by the women. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. So, Andy... Moving on from the small matter of Real Madrid, we had really what was looked at as the game of the week, didn't we? The West London derby against the oh, mighty Fulham. Um, mm. <laughs> it, it was a strange one. What a, what a week. Real Madrid, Fulham, Real Madrid. <laughs> it, it was a, a, a odd three fixtures in a row. Um, we apprehensive after how well we'd played in Real Madrid that suddenly we were down to earth with a game that really we should win, that should be bread and butter. And it's sometimes been the bread and butter games that we've messed up this season. Yeah, it has. And obviously you think of West Brom in those terms, but no, I wasn't apprehensive. It's Fulham, man. I mean, Fulham are, you know, they're, they're, they're just not very good. They're in the bottom three. They look adrift now. They've got to get nine points from 12 remaining, assuming that other other results go their way. I mean, they're down. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Um, I think this was always going to be a stretch for them. The thing about Fulham is they do play quite nice football, but mentally they don't have the strength you know that that's needed at this level and they don't have anybody that can finish their goal scoring's been appalling they've got a minus 20 goal difference you know so i wasn't concerned about that game at all there's always the possibility of a champions league hangover of course and you know and and you know we we we've experienced that harshly in the past but in this particular case i was very confident and i think my confidence was uh, you know was borne out so the side, there were a few little surprises in there. Um, well, I thought Thiago Silva keeping his place was a was a surprise. Uh, Mendy in goal, Christensen was in there as well. Zuma in for Rudiger, who's injured rather worryingly, which we didn't mention. Um, so I think uh, Rudiger got injured in the last minute of the Real Madrid game, so he's a slight doubt. Uh, but Zuma came in and played well uh, again. Chilwell and uh, coming in on the uh, on the left hand side, uh, Rhys James. 
uh, as the right wing back. Uh, Billy Gilmore, the lesser spotted Gil- Billy Gilmore, getting a rare run out uh, in the centre uh, alongside what looked like Ziek and Mount, um, and then Havertz back in that that uh, striking role uh, with his compatriot. Uh, Werner. So, you know, a little, a few changes, a few little tweaks, look like 3-5-2 again, um, and, you know, fairly comfortable, professional, unworrying time was had by all. Yeah, it, it was one of those games. Havertz stepped up. He's, he's such a weird player. He just doesn't look so. He's moving half the time, and then suddenly he's there and he dinks the ball in the net. Um, he's quick, though. I mean, people forget yeah, how is. quick he is. He's rapid. Yeah. But that's what I mean. You don't see him. He lollops around. And then Makes it look easy, got, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. He's, he's obviously not right yet. Um, but I think a good summer and a good pre-season, and we'll see a different Havertz next season. It's, it's just been odd for everyone. But, look, he did the job as a number nine. He wasn't really that false. He was a number nine, number nine doing what a, a number nine should do. And actually... He probably could have got one or two more. Yeah. Um, well, he but, had one chalked yeah. off as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So, you know, but but again, we see some of these, you see glimpses of what this could be this side. Once they're really sorted out with a good pre-season, how he links with Werner, how Werner links with Ziyech. There's all sorts of things to look forward to, you know. This well, Werner, Werner made an weeks. amazing assist, I thought, for, for, for Havertz's second goal. I thought that yeah, was he fantastic. He but did. he also put in an absolutely brilliant ball in for Ziek, who, you know, was the victim of a good save um, yep. by the keeper. You know, so again, we talk about affecting games. I thought Timo was, was you know, was, was in and about pretty much all of that game. He played really well. Yeah, I, again, I totally agree with you. It's frustrating, but you go, as long as somebody scores, it's not so bad. But we have to talk about that takedown and pass. Mason mm. bloody mount. Mm. Oh my god. It was if that's Messi, and that's why Messi is the most valuable player in the world. This is Mason Mount. Just not only is his touch so fantastic, but the sight to see the move and play that ball in so perfectly. Just outrageous, wasn't it? Yeah, it was out of this world. I think he's uh, you know, his his vision his uh, ability to read the game, his touch. I mean, you know, you don't want to make those comparisons, but, you know, you're looking at, you know, a player at the level of, you know, potentially at the level of Frank Lampard here. I mean, he's he, he was incredible. And, and I think that, you know, that particular moment in the game, I think just showcased all of his talents. Um, he's an exceptional player. He's an exceptional player. And I think that, you know, if we manage him well and, you know, he keeps this level of enthusiasm and he keeps working hard... There's no reason that, you know, that boy can't be a complete legend at our club. I, you know, it's early days, I want low pressure on his shoulders, but what I'm seeing with Mason Mount is the, you know, is the blossoming and blooming of a unbelievable talent. Yeah, and also what's fascinating is that he is now one of those players, we took him off after 76 minutes to just say, that's enough from you, Mason, don't worry, you're that important, we're going to give you a little bit of a breather get you ready for Wednesday. He's mm. already at that level. When you're winning a game, take him out because you don't want anything to happen to him in a, a needless last 15 minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah I, think, I think he's been fantastic. I, I, I think there's a lot of players who are stepping up to the plate, but 
What was lovely was to see Gilmore get a run out um, and everyone forgets he's only 19. You know, a lot of 19 year olds wouldn't be in all the time. Mm. Um, he, he showed a little bit of rustiness, but you can see in him, he's got something about him. He will be one of those players, I think, that should get through in the next couple of years and possibly become a, a, a very important player for us. Yeah, it wasn't his day. He didn't play no. particularly well. He was closed down. He looked a little bit lightweight. He was easily manoeuvred off the ball. Um, I don't think that that was a game that he'll reflect on and, and say that was pivotal in his career. You know, he hasn't played a lot. So, as you quite rightly say, he's bound to be rusty. He's bound to not to be up to the, be the pace of the game. And I don't think he was terrible. I just don't think it was memorable from his perspective. Um, and, you know, I think it gives us an indication of how good players like Jorginho and Kante have been this year. Uh, Kovacic to a degree, and Kovacic obviously still being injured. You know, Billy's got a lot of work to do to kind of force his way into a team ahead of those players. So, you know, again, you know, we won the game, no harm done, probably not one for Billy to remember. No. All right. Well, that that kind of really takes care of, of that game. And then on Sunday, of course, it was the, the semi-final against Bayern Munich. Mm. Everyone was worried because we were 2-1 down uh, from the first leg and we played them at home. <coughs> and it was just such a breathless game of beautiful football. Um, mm. Now, you, you've not been watching the women that much. Who impressed you? From I'll, I'll let you go first. Tell, tell me what you thought of the team, the, the way we played. I, I love the way we play football. Well, I can't. I can't talk with any great authority about 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 the team because it's not a team I watch very often. So, um, you no, know. that's why I'm interested. You're well, you're, you know. I mean, seeing a game like this, it's intriguing to see what I, you I, notice not, about it. I don't it. get as I don't get as breathlessly excited about it as you do. You know, for me, it was a really it was a really good game of football. I enjoyed the occasion and I enjoyed the you know the performance. I mean, I thought that you know it was really great to see um, you know Peniel harder uh score that goal um you know and justify her you know by all accounts pricey price tag i thought frank kirby you know from what i've seen of her it just seems like the kind of player that you'd want in any team you know a, a complete worker and somebody that brings energy and enthusiasm to the team you know and i thought as a unit the team played really well and 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 were very well organized and played for each other so you know from that perspective you know i, I thought it was a it was a really good performance yeah, it was, and I think you've picked out the, the right players. Sam Kerr as well, her link-up play with with Fran has been outrageous. I'd also like to give a mention to the, our, our right wing-back, um, Jess Carter. She had such a great game. Mm. She's really, really good, and, and Melanie Lupoltz is just a fantastic player who instantly was captain of Bayern Munich mm. and then we bought her from mm. them. But, but yeah, for, for outrageous, wonderful, brilliant goal, that, that Panilla Harder goal was superb. Jess Carter put the cross in. She's not taking a free kick this year. Uh, and she took them all suddenly. And, and the way it was whipped in and that header, it mm. was just beautiful. That run she made, get to the near post yeah. and then flick on into the far corner. Just outrageous and just shows yeah. why we paid the money for her. Well, look, a great result. And I think, you know, and I think that, you know, all, all power to them. And, you know, and it's it's definitely something I'll be looking forward to, the, you know, the final and in, um, you know, against Barcelona. So, you know, let, let, let's uh, let's hope they go on and, and fulfil the promise that we know they have. 
Exactly. And we'll, well, can you imagine if we win the Champions League, God knows what the, the swearing will be like from Emma. I think she managed to do uh, two F words and a, and a shit. In, I mean, well, what was great is that she said, she said, I hope there's lots of little girls watching and then proceeded to kind of <laughs> F-bomb them, you know, <laughs> throughout her press conference, which was great, you know, and she, she is great. I think she's a, you know, she's a great example of, you know, a manager that, you know, that everybody plays for. Um, she seems to be, you know, incredibly respected within the game and within the team. So, you know, really congratulations to her and to the team. And, you know, let's hope they go all the way. Yeah, absolutely. Swear box for Emma. That's what we need. Because <laughs> I tell you, if we win the Champions League final, there's going to be money going into it. All right. Well, look, we got this week coming up. Um, and just we'll mention first of all as well, on Wednesday night, Chelsea are away at Tottenham. And uh, I believe they can win the title if, if they win. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, to, no, they've got to win, win both, I think, actually. Go but, girls. Yeah, we're very near. Two games to go. Um, if we win both, we'll win by two points. That's right. So, um, yeah, all very exciting. Um, and, yes, we have the small matter of Real Madrid at home. Uh, we've talked quite a lot about it. So, yeah, give me your predictions on that one. It's a really hard one to call, I think. I, you know, I am... Look, if we, don't, if we stop them scoring, we win. It's as simple as that, you know. So, you know, can we rely on our defence to keep out Real Madrid? I think we probably can. I think we can, particularly at Stamford Bridge. And I think that, um, you know, as long as we are well set up, which I know we will be, and as long as we are concentrating and as long as the players are playing at the level that we know they can play and we can stop them scoring. So I'm going to say we're going to win 1-0 and go through, um, you know, go through, uh, you know, quite comfortably. Lovely. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I, I think 17 clean sheets or whatever it is doesn't mean anything when you go into a game like that. But boy, if we can make it 18, it would be amazing. Mm. Um, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for two nil. That's mm. what I'm, I'm going to do. Uh, and an Eden Hazard own goal. Um, so that's that's my tip. Um, and then yeah, then at the weekend we have the small matter of possibly playing Man City for the second time out of a possible three times in the last few weeks of this season. Tough place to go, especially when you're trying to consolidate the fourth place. Mm. Um, But I can see it's getting a draw up there. Yeah, I was going to say draw. I think, look, the problem is if the game had gone ahead yesterday, uh, the Man uh, Man uh, United-Liverpool game, and it had gone in the right direction, Man City would have won the league. And then, you know, to be honest, their foot would have been off the gas. The fact is they can win the league against us on yeah, Saturday so they're going to be true. bang up for it so you know I think if we can get a draw I'd be very happy with that because you know when they're playing for the title against us at their ground they're going to be bang up for it you know we, we will as well because we will you know we'll be desperate for that fourth place you know hopefully West Ham trip up against Burnley tonight um, you know that would be a, a, a great result for us and give us a bit of, but we have got that by beating West Ham we have got that cushion we can afford to lose to Man City um and still be still be in pole position. So it wouldn't be a disaster if we lost, but I'm hoping I'm gonna go one one. One one draw. Okay, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two two. It's not gonna happen, but it probably I think it'd probably be one one. But you know, I like to do something different. Right, well that's it, Andy. We are out of time. How can people get in touch with us if they would like to? 
Uh, on social media, they can follow us on Twitter at, at Chelsea Podcast. They can follow me on Mr. A Saunders. They can follow you on at Kerry Levy One C E R I L E V Y. Uh, sorry, that's not uh, on. Sorry, on Twitter it's Kerry Levy. Uh, so at C E R I L E V Y. On Instagram it's Kerry Levy One. Uh, on Instagram it's at the Chelsea Podcast, and on Instagram it's One True Saunders for me. Excellent. Well, that's it. Well, let's see where we are in a week's time. Mm. <sighs> These weeks are just more and more exciting as we go on, aren't they? Absolutely. All right, Andy. Good to speak to you, my friend. Yeah, See and you, you mate. Have a good week. And you. Cheers. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.